0: Welcome to SaltCast. My name is Bob Turner and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training or SALT. And once again we're blessed to have with us Chris McCurley. Welcome Chris. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. We appreciate you taking time to be with us. We know you're busy and just encourage. We talked last time about the Mm -hmm. work that you're doing at Oldham Lane in Abilene and with Ripple of Light Ministries and I want to encourage everyone again to Look into and uh, follow the podcasts yes. and material that uh, you're involved in doing. It's just really relevant, uh, which is something that we need to be in the Thank world you. in which we live. And so I appreciate agree. the work that you're doing. I do want to remind everyone that last time we had the opportunity to talk about uh, some areas that leaders face, some challenges mm-hmm. that they're dealing with and talked about apathy and the challenge of of that uh-huh. and how some leaders can uh, deal with that. I really appreciated the lesson from Jesus, and, <laughs> and realizing that sometimes we need to just uh, challenge them and their thinking and their commitment. And so, sure. I, I'd like to continue that discussion sure. and to think about it from the standpoint of maybe characteristics or qualities that leaders need when it comes to dealing with the the situation the church faces today and some of uh-huh. these challenges. What would help leaders? What could they focus on? The type of characteristics or qualities they need to develop that would help them uh, when it comes to dealing with these
1: areas? Well, I think first and foremost, uh, any elder, really any Christian, but an elder exemplifies this as being a leader and a follower. You know, an elder has to understand that I'm a shepherd, but I have a shepherd. And so I am a shepherd that is serving the good shepherd, the best shepherd. Um, You know, when you you look at that word disciple in the Bible, I, I don't know how many people realize that that word disciple meant that you were trying to be like your rabbi. So in the first century, if you were a disciple of a rabbi, Halel, whoever the rabbi was, you were trying to be exactly like that rabbi. You were trying to be a clone. So Jesus is called rabbi on several occasions. So if he's our rabbi, if he's our teacher, then I'm trying to be exactly like that teacher. I'm trying to follow so closely on his heels that the dust of the sandals kicks me in the face. And so (laughs) as elders, that's first and foremost. They need to be followers, but also leaders. And so we call that servant leadership. and, And what does that really look like? Well, I am serving the Lord by serving the congregation, but at the same time, I'm also leading this congregation as a shepherd. And you know, when you look at the different qualities of shepherds, and you know, in the Bible, uh, we could go through those, but uh, you know, for time's sake, we just say that a shepherd is someone who is feeding the flock, guiding the flock, protecting the flock, and all those kind of things. Which means you've got to be willing to make the flock uncomfortable. Because you know that where you're leading them may not be something that uh, is exactly comfort for them, but it's something that is better for them. Um, Challenging them, whatever it may be, feeding them things that, you know, may not be tasty for them, but something that they need for nourishment. Uh, So I I think it starts with being a shepherd that realizes I have a shepherd. So I'm a a leader and I'm a follower. Love that. And one of my favorite
0: texts Mm -hmm. is John 13. Yes, uh, where Jesus, yes. you know, you call me, yeah. Master or Lord, teacher. Yes, and that's what I am. And yet, here he is; he's washing their feet and yeah. telling them that great lesson. Yeah, it's a great picture. So that's that is great picture and, and great thought. Um, I love the fact that you have been at Oldham Lane for twelve years, uh-huh. and that longevity is a great lesson in and of itself, uh, for especially for young ministers. And you know as well as I do that the picture that we've seen in years past has been very short term for a Mm -hmm. lot of ministers. They go into congregation, uh, they may be there two or three years, and then if that long, they're looking for another place. And so I'd like to talk, because I know that that you have some expertise in this, and you've been working with uh, some younger preachers and Mm -hmm. encouraging them, mentoring them in some ways. What advice would you give to... Younger ministers, uh, those who maybe are already in a ministry, mm-hmm. but certainly those who would be going into ministry and they're going to be preaching, they're they're working with an eldership. What would you advise them? What, what would you share with them that might help them to really work on and focus in developing that relationship in, in a powerful way?
1: Well, I, I, one thing that I concentrated on both at Cassville when I was there and now at Abilene of course, being somewhere a long time has some advantages, you know, 12 right. years. I mean, when I was coaching, um, you know, the idea is you've got to create a culture and to create a culture as a coach takes a while. Right. And it's the same way as a preacher. If you're trying to create a culture, it takes a while. And what is the statistics eight to 10 years before you kind of really put your stamp on it? You know, that's if right. that's true, I mean, I, I've certainly seen that, but, uh, to create a culture, you've got to be somewhere and you've got to be among people and, and be with them and engage with them. As far as with your elders, one thing that I've always tried to do, and maybe I've just been very fortunate to be with good elders, but, um, I've tried to be friends outside of church. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Develop relationships outside of church. Because what we have seen over and over again in churches is it, it's it's kind of an unconscious thing. It's not intended always. But elders believe, by and large, we are the boss and the staff or the preacher is the employee. Sure. And that's just kind of the way this dynamic has played out. I don't think it's intentional always, but really it's a covenant partnership. That's what it is. It's a covenant. We're working together to make sure that this congregation is going in the direction that God would want it to go. So it's a covenant partnership. That's why I always tell elders, do you see your preacher as an expense or as an investment? Because if you only see him as an expense and you're going to, you know, when you hire him, you're going to lowball him, you know, because we want to get him for as cheap as we can. Or when it comes time to give raises, well, you know, uh, on the scale of things, he's making really where he should be making it. No, if you see him as an investment though, you're going to say, what do we got to do to keep this guy? because we believe in him and we love his family and we want him to be a part of our family for a very long time. And I'm thankful that our elders uh, very much look at it as, you know, we want you here. What do we got to do to keep you here? So that's that's one thing. But as a preacher coming in, I think it's important to develop a relationship that is more than just behind closed doors in a meeting, Um, you know, we go to the movies, uh, our elders, uh, I go to their house and we, we play games and, uh, we hang out, we go have coffee or whatever, but just that, just that daily interaction where we know, I, I'm sure you've done this, Bob, but I've had these conversations with, with my elders personally, one or two of them say, Hey, this isn't an elder preacher. Now this is friends. Let's talk, (laughs) let's talk about this, right. You know, off the record. I mean, having those conversations, having those kind of relationships where you can just show up at their door and say, Hey, can we pray? I mean, I, I need something today, you know, and that they, they likewise can do it as well. Sure. I think that's highly important developing, developing that relationship outside of church.
0: And I know that there are some who are listening that are probably thinking there's there's this huge age
1: gap. I, absolutely. I
0: mean, you, yeah. you've you got a young guy that's maybe coming out of preaching school or out of university and and he's going to a congregation. Maybe he's 23, 24, 25 years old and your yes. elders are going to be on that scale of, you know, upper 50s, 60s or yes. older. Yes. And there's such an, a generational gap is is there something that they might take in a practical way to to help bridge that gap for them as a young minister to take that initiative to, to say, okay, what can I do to really help bring that closer to a relationship of a friendship?
1: Yeah. Uh, I had an elder at Cassville that was same situation. I was thirty-one when I got there, and he was in his seventies, almost eighty. Um, yeah, he was eighty. But anyway, the be- one of the best elders I've ever you know served with, right. and he, being an older gentleman. And being at that church for so many, and this is what you got to think about is a gentleman like that who's been at a church for many, many years, they, they kind of make it their own. They think, you know, my neck's on the line here. You know, I want this guy to succeed because, right. you know, I've been here for so many years. I don't want to see it fall apart, you know. And so I, I worked on it and he did too, bridging that gap by, you know, I would I would seek his counsel. I know that made him feel good, but I really wanted it as well, but I would go to his house and we'd drink coffee and we'd just talk about life and ministry and things like that. And that helped bridge that gap because, you know, especially uh, a lot of our older elders used to be preachers or they used to be in ministry and, you know, they don't get their bucket filled anymore, you know, from preaching. And so they like to mentor a young guy. Uh, Unfortunately, some of of our older preachers are some of the more critical brethren we have, and that's unfortunate, but... In a lot of situations, and I would say hopefully the majority of situations, those guys are there to mentor. And so, take some time out to just say, "Hey, what would you do in this situation?" Or you know, "How would you handle this?" I respect your opinion. I did that coaching. My superintendent was an elder in the church, but as a coach, I was a former coach. I would go to him a lot and say, "Hey, Mister Lillard, what what did you do with this kind of offense or this kind of defense? How did you handle this?" And you know, that bridged that gap because. He loved talking about basketball. Sure, you know same way with the elder. He loved talking about church, and you know he loved giving advice. And, and we had a we had a good rapport that way. Yeah, being that learner, just yes. having that learning spirit. Man, yeah, that's a very positive thing.
0: So let's let's flip this thing, okay? And and let's talk about it from the standpoint of uh, advice might share with elders, mm-hmm. and not just with the minister. I mean, certainly that can be a part of the discussion. But one of the things that I'm really striving to do is to help congregations consider a a development of the next generation. How do we put in place ongoing constructs, if you will, programs, systems, plans, whatever it is, that is helping this next generation of men Mm -hmm. to fill that spot, to be the, the shepherds in the future in the congregation. Right. So from the perspective of those who are in that position as elders and leaders in the congregation what advice would you share with them in regards to how to prepare
1: that next generation I think that every elder should have an MBA every single elder Should have a mop bucket attitude, an M, an MBA. (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going. (laughs) I love that (laughs) because I do believe that every elder that has gained my utmost respect is one that at the fellowship meals he's rolling around the trash can picking up trash. Mm -hmm. He's out weed eating. He's doing whatever it takes to make certain that he is leading by example. And we have some elders like that that they have an MBA, a mop bucket attitude. And I think every elder should have an MBA. I love that because I think first foremost that's where it starts is they're willing to get on their hands and knees and wash feet so to speak if they have to they're willing to do the menial task uh show yourself faithful in the little things you know right Uh, that's what i think it starts with but i think people are willing to follow somebody who has the quote-unquote status of being an elder but they are willing to lower themselves and just be like one of the family and do whatever it takes to get the job done uh those are the kind of people i respect um and those are the kind of people you want to follow. You know, I'm on. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm on the school board at Wiley, and you know, when you get on the school board, you realize you don't really move the needle a whole lot. You know, mm. you think you're going to, and people run for school board and they're going to get on there with their agenda and all that. And truth yeah. is, you're really just rubber stamping policy and building buildings and right. things like that. And so I think people look at the eldership like you know they're they're rubber stamping things and they're giving right. their yes to things and their no to things, but or they teach Bible class and that's really where they're at. But when shepherds smell like sheep, so to speak, right. when they're among the people, when they're doing those menial tasks and when they're leading by example, I think is the biggest thing. That, that's right. where it all starts and everything else kind of flows from that. If they can, be, uh, uh, if they can hold that MBA and, uh, and really um, show people that what it's about is getting out in front and doing those things that maybe nobody else would do. I you love, know. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and when you first your eyes said, got a little wide when I mentioned that. Well, when, you know, when you
0: said yeah. MBA, my my thought process was okay. I know he's not talking about a Master's in Business Administration, <laughs> but my first thought was, is he's going to talk about mentoring?
1: <laughs> and and really, there's no better way to mentor than to be a, an example and so. be
0: a servant. In, and
1: and Jesus did that. So we're not plucking this out of thin air. That's right. Jesus washed feet and he said, "I do this as an example for you." Yeah, you know?
0: but I won't forget. The mop bucket attitude. <laughs> I'll be using that in the future in, in a lot of my lessons. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you. I, I tell you, I just I love you, and I love, love you. Too. Love your heart, and love the work that you're doing. And appreciate it. Uh, I I look forward to seeing that on Facebook and and listening yes, and watching, and 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 you have a great impact on a you. lot of people. So continue to do what you're doing. I know yes, the Lord's sir. going to bless you in that and the work there at Old Hem Lane. Thanks, Bob. Uh, and thank you for listening uh, to our uh, Salt Cast each week. And we know that. What you're hearing and learning is beneficial and encouraging to you. And so thank you for tuning in. We pray that you'll continue to listen as we discuss matters that uh, can help us all grow in areas of leadership and encourage us in becoming the leaders that God wants us to be. My name is Bob Turner. I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training. And I just appreciate you tuning in each week and hope that you've been blessed by today's time with Chris McCurley. Pray that you have a great day. God bless.